0: Let's do it. I'm ready.
1: Well, I don't really know how to approach you with you being from America. So I'll just start where I normally start with, um, how old are you, Bruno?
0: I'm 54. I'm going to be 55 years old, Darren.
1: So so I, I take that you're born in what, the 60s, 70s? 68. April 6, 68. So you're 10 years older than me.
0: Yeah, I'm an old guy, brother so
1: where where was you where where in america i'm not too familiar with it where was you born in america
0: i was born in brooklyn new york and uh moved out moved out to las vegas uh right after i came home from the army then i went back and forth from vegas to new york and i ended up in arizona i spent a good part of uh 20 plus years in arizona a lot of it in the joint. And then uh, when I finally got out of prison and I decided to straighten my life out, uh, about about six years after I got out of prison, I moved down to Mississippi, right south of Memphis, Tennessee, and built myself a brand new home.
1: And is that where you're based now?
0: Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in Coldwater, Mississippi, which is about 30 miles south of Memphis in the woods.
1: Sounds nice. When you mentioned when you mentioned the military, what well, how, yeah. how old how old was you when when you went into
0: the military? Well, I uh, I signed in when I was seventeen. My father was a uh, World War II uh, Screaming Eagle from uh, you know he was a World War II veteran, and uh, I was having a lot of problems as a kid, bro. I was a drug addict, and you know I was always in trouble. So he signed me in at 17 on the delayed entry program for the army, and I went in the day I turned 18.
1: How long did How long did you remain in the military, then,
0: mate? I was there for three years. I was over there in Europe, right? in your neck of the woods. I was in Germany.
1: So did that did that take it away from like your your addictions and your was it your lifesaver basically in a sense?
0: You know, it's um, I was telling Sean in one of our interviews, um, the army was the biggest mistake of my life leaving it. You know what I mean? It saved me. It taught me how to be a man. It taught me how, you know, uh, how to cope with different situations. I feel like a lot of what the military did for me saved my life in prison many, many times. You know what I mean? So, so you went in
1: for three years which made you made your leave. you leave you left at 21. What happened right. after you left what, what you know was you in employment? what what direction was your life going in?
0: Well, um, like I was uh, like I've said before, um, when I went back home to Brooklyn, uh, I went in the wrong direction. I went back to work for uh, the wise guys in my neighborhood got addicted to cocaine again not saying that i wasn't addicted before just wasn't around it. you know what i mean and um working in the bars and you know just basically just basically lingering you know what i mean wanting to be a wise guy wanting to be a gangster but i was never good at it what i was good at was doing drugs i was good at fighting people and you know all the wrong stuff so my savior was my godfather, who actually put me in the electrician's union. And uh, for those next couple of years, I did pretty well learning how to be an electrician. Again, coming out of prison, that was my saving grace.
1: So you had a little, so the drugs, have they been consistent in your life in your, in your early adult years then?
0: My whole life, brother. Uh Fortunately, well, there's an unfortunate and a fortunate to that. So uh, to just jump ahead a little bit before I you know tell you about my escapades, when I was locked up in Colorado prison, um, I had I had gotten into uh, a pretty big brawl with probably six guys from Colorado and I was sitting in the hole. this was uh, 2011. And uh, I got a knock on my window. Hey, Bruno, you want a phone call? Your mother's dead. So when I got that when I got that knock on my window, that was the turnaround in my life. I sat in that cell by myself, and Sean will attest to this because he's been in that spot. You know, with just me and my thoughts, brother. And um, losing my mother was my turnaround for my life. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Let me bring you back a bit, then, Bruno. Um, when you're saying the wise guys, and you were doing, you were doing bits for the wise guys. What do you mean by the wise guys? Because over here in the UK, we're used to watching like The Sopranos, and is that the same type of wise guys you're speaking about?
0: Oh yeah. Um, so, again, not to mention, you know, names in itself, but in Brooklyn, where I grew up. Um, you know, Anthony Ruggiano is from my neighborhood. Uh, Sean and I interviewed him. Um, you know, I grew up with a lot of the Gambino crew. I grew up with a lot of Colombo crew. I worked in a bar as a young man working for these wise guys. You know, they were all uh, all a part of a crew for, you know, the mafia. And um, I grew up emulating that man. I wanted to be them. I wanted to... I wanted to do everything that they were doing. I wanted to make money. I wanted to snort all the coke, fuck all the broads. You know what I mean? I wanted to do everything. And uh, again, I uh, wasn't really good at it because all everything was about in the early days was doing drugs. Got really addicted, man.
1: So I'd like to just touch on the, on the wise guy scenario. I don't want you to mention names or or say the word that with the M because it's a bit powerful, isn't it? So sure in, in new york bronx is they've got is that where little italy is
0: uh manhattan is little italy and i'm from brooklyn bronx is um bronx is another borough darren uh there's five boroughs in the city of new york you got brooklyn bronx queens manhattan and staten island that's all a part of the city and you have new york state which is what we call upstate new york it's actually the um you know a part of the united states because the city is a bunch of little islands connected with bridges and tunnels
1: yeah i get what you're saying it's, it's similar to london to the rest of england and it? it's like its own little it's own little, it's like a banking
0: system of new york isn't it exactly exactly yeah well, you know well, you got a whole what about Hell's right. Kitchen? Hell's Kitchen is in Manhattan. Is it Hell's Kitchen? Where yes, where uh, where the wise guys come from? You know the uh, the Irish mob and the Westies. Uh, that's the West Side of Manhattan. Uh, that's a really rough area. But that that Hell's Kitchen itself and uh, the West Side where the Westies come from. That's Manhattan. So what you what? How old was you then when you moved away from? The
1: wise guys of your life when did you step away from that environment
0: well when i uh when i went into the military when i was 18 i left and i came back at uh 21 i stayed i stayed in brooklyn probably from 21 to 25 and back and forth from uh new york to vegas until i finally decided to stay out in arizona
1: so from arizona you start does your life start getting better when you're in arizona
0: yeah no uh no <laughs> well to be honest with you um i've been all over the united states um i don't know if you know that little uh that little saying anywhere you go there you are you know what i mean um you know running from place to place trying to get get away from the drug addiction And, you know, the mess that your life is, um, no matter where I went, California, uh, Colorado, New York, New Jersey, um, you know, I ended up getting locked up there one way or the other, whether I did a year in the county, went to prison uh, for about 23 years of my life, I was locked up either in prison, county jail, Rikers Island, Cook County, Illinois, Orange County, California, you know, so wherever I went, I started doing the same thing, the the crime, the drugs, you know, everything, everything just followed me no matter where I went.
1: So now you're touching on the prison system, I believe that's where your face mess, Sean, isn't it?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I wasn't really in, um. In the prison system, when I met Sean, we were in the jail system, and um... what's, the sorry, what's the difference, sorry, mate? What's the difference between the, the jail system and the
1: prison system? Like is in, one in America? I may, I may, I may, yeah, I jail is
2: remand, life. jail what is remand, of? and prison is where you're sentenced. So it's different in America from the UK. So jail is unsentenced, prison yeah. is sentenced.
1: Right, right. So, so what's the difference between a federal prison and a not uh, a normal prison, or is that the
0: same? Now, well, you know the fed the federal system is when the United States government prosecutes you. The state prison system is when that particular state prosecutes you. So, there's different statutes in the United States, different. Um, Help me out here, Sean. Um, I'm, I'm looking for the right word. So what happens is, depending on the enormity of your crime, yeah, you know, so like... if, you're, if, yeah, if you're, so For di-
1: example, depending on the severity of the crime or how much money right. involved in the crime, then the federal authorities will take over. And if Correct. The
2: crime, and if the crime crosses state lines, so right. if you commit crimes within a state, then your state... But if you're committing crimes in multiple states, like bank right. fraud or whatever, or like the mafia operating in multiple states, then it's federal. But the, right. the feds yeah. have got the most money. The states have got jack shit. So the states is just rough as fuck.
1: That's so right. go on then, Bruno. What, so you, you met him in jail, not prison.
0: Right. So... Uh, I had just gotten into pr- or into jail. We were in Arizona. we were locked up in uh, Maricopa County. And it wasn't my first stop where I met Sean. Um, I got into the system and because because of the type of crime I was arrested for, you have different custody levels in in jail when you go and they get, they they kind of assess you know what your institutional risk is you know, what your crime is like, you know, if you're in there for murder, you know what I mean? And the guy next to you is in there for, you know, slapping his wife or, you know, cashing a bad check at the store. You know what I mean? They look at that and they try to put you in different uh, custody levels. Like You got low, you got medium, and then you got high. So when I went in, I went into a low custody uh, facility because of my crime. My crime was just white collar crime. I wasn't caught for any violent crimes uh, up to that point in Arizona. So I went to a kind of a minimum uh, facility which was called Durango facility. And uh, I lasted probably six hours in the pod there. You know, there's no structure there. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, Reishi, nobody has Reishi. any respect. You know what I'm saying? And um, I ended up knocking some guy out. Uh, they caught me right away because probably 12 people told on me. And I went to the hole. <laughs> and then uh, from the hole, I went to Towers Jail, which was where I met Mr. Atwood here, who was uh, facing 200 years for being a drug kingpin. <laughs> oh, these guys, Darren, the neo-Nazis were
2: running the whites. All of a sudden, Bruno and his mates showed up and the boss of the of Bruno's mates, when we were all locked down at night, Roscoe, the boss was, he was outside with the guards smoking, giving them orders. And they come to me and they said, who's Sean? Do you want your co-defendants to be your cellmates? I'm like, <laughs> how can you do that? How can you do that? <laughs> oh, don't ask any questions. We'll do it. Next day, the guards bring my co-defendants, and I've got two of my mates in my cell with me. Wildman, he couldn't. Wildman couldn't be housed yeah. with me, man. So they had the guards bring Wildman into our day room and just sit with us all day long. I would never yeah. seen anything like it. I could
1: not believe my eyes. So, so Bruno, when you first come across this um, long, thin, bald-headed Englishman, what did you think?
0: <laughs> well i gotta tell you darren when when we first met you know when you got to realize something brother when you walk in a place like this all you have is the way you carry yourself you know is the way you look at people it's just unless you've been in there brother you cannot understand the amount of stress and the amount of you know just tension you could you could just feel it when you walk in and i walk into this pod and there's sean with this big goofy smile on his face bald head you know and, and just standing there like what's up mate you know what i mean and i was like england what's up man you know what i mean and you, aaron you just can't you can't look at somebody like that and be upset you know what i'm saying you got to be like come here man what is going on with you what's going on here you know, when you met Sean, you must have you must have
1: met the big man Wildman. Then, oh
0: man, that was my boy right there. And you and you know what, Darren, you know I touched on this with my first interviews with Sean, and you know you want to talk about a guy that demanded respect and the just the presence. You know what I'm saying? So I know everybody was saying, "Oh, Wildman, this," and you and you're blowing him up and this and that. But I'm here to tell you, brother, this guy, first of all, when I first met him, Sean will tell you, I loved this guy from the second I met him because I knew he was no bullshit. I knew that if he said something, he would do it. You know what I mean? And if I needed anything, that guy would probably break somebody's face open for me. Am I wrong, Sean? I mean, and I, and I just met the guy. That's the type of guy he was. He was just... Uh, I don't I don't know how to explain it, man. He's like this, you know, just one of the greatest uh greatest dudes I met in there, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say, Sean. You know, take it from there, brother. I, I, I was mean, I was guy- sat
2: I was sat on the back row in Catholic Mass when they first met. We'd arranged a meeting. <laughs> and they were sat either side of me, Darren, and they leant over to shake hands and they shook hands so
0: powerfully I almost flew out my seat. <laughs> <laughs> This guy was just he was incredible. Darren, did you know him? Did you talk to him?
1: I never got to meet him, mate. I never got uh, to meet him before he passed away. Obviously I'd watched him next to Sean doing his interviews and that, but I'd never had the had the opportunity to embrace his energy and, and have a little word with him. But it it is what it is. It's one of them missed opportunities, I suppose. Sure. But sure. when it comes when it comes to having balls, you've got to think about their situation, Sean's and Wildman being in the USA, being in that type of prison, surrounded by like foreign people, if you like. It must have been a bit more it must have been a bit shaky.
2: Americans, the the
0: Americans love the English, Darren. Oh Do man. You know? Especially especially when you're, you know, you got a guy that, you know, as quick as he look at you, Darren, this guy would knock you out, man. I mean, just, you know, you're talking about no bullshit, demanding respect, and and I'll tell you like this: I've I've witnessed where other other guys would be like disrespecting a woman guard, and the guy would basically take their friggin' heads off. You know what I mean? And and it didn't matter that she was a cop. You understand what I'm saying? That's how. That's how. That's type of duty was. You know, He's got
1: the models inside, and, and you can recognize models in people, and instantly if people have got the models, they've got they've got your respect, basically, haven't they?
0: Absolutely, and the same thing goes for Sean when I met him. Like I said, you know, um, he wasn't he he definitely didn't look like he fit in, you know, fit in, but nobody does. But you know, the minute that me and my me and my people, me and my friends, you know what I mean. We saw him and we just enveloped him because, number one, man, when you're in a situation like a jail or a prison, you always want to surround yourself with people, number one, that are smarter than you, and number two, that you could trust, number three, that, you know, you know damn well if Sean said, hey, man, I'm going to do this, it's done. So within five minutes, if you'll know how to read people, you could just tell that this guy's the salt of the earth and uh i'm a i was a better guy in there for knowing him you know what i'm saying well, yeah thank
2: you bro i really appreciate that man
0: that's but that's yeah, from the been... bottom of my heart bro
2: when we wake up in the morning we get out of bed and we start our day with coro snacks coro is a healthy snacks brand focusing on bringing additive free natural ingredients to the customers with fair prices in bulk packaging. They have everything from nut butters to free from baking ingredients to cooking essentials and, of course, the snacks. (laughs) It doesn't get healthier than this because all those other snacks have refined sugars, colours, preservatives and additives. Coros snacks have none of that. Oh, I can't wait. So I'm going to go for the bio-energy ball today. Ooh, nice. Salty pistachio. A little uh, chocolate bar here. I think. Oh, the coconut chocolate bar. Mmm. Right. Oh, wow, mm. that's good. Want to try it? Ooh. <laughs> so what makes Koro special in comparison to others? Corot avoids using sulfur, refined sugars, preservatives, colors, and other additives. For a 5% discount on Corot's products, use the code crime with no space in between true and crime. The link to Koros online shop is in the description box on YouTube. Thanks for supporting our sponsor.
1: I think, okay, it's, important, I think it's important that we, should, we um, have a little thought for Wildman, who's resting in the skies right now, because he was, like, Sean's right arm, and since, oh. since the loss of him, it's sort of... I think it's left Sean in a little bit of a puzzle. He's coming through it now, like, but you could, a few months back, a year back when he first went, you could see Sean was at a, at a loss in life. But I think that's, I think that's very understandable, is it?
2: Yeah, and I appreciate all the people in the comments putting R.I.P. well, man. Thank you for that.
0: Man, I got to tell you, you know, um, I don't have many, uh, for instance, you know, Darren, let me just tell you something. So, um when I first reconnected with Sean, uh, my wife and I were sitting and we're watching TV and his show, his, uh, his documentary came up on, I was a teenage felon. And I said to my wife, I said, that's my buddy Sean. She said, like, what? Never shut the fuck. You know, she thinks I, knows, I know everybody, you know what I mean? Within, within six hours of me emailing him, He emails me right back, brother, you know, but I I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that 20 years later, you know, the bond that you have in the situation that we were in, it was like we never stopped talking. You know, I could call this guy right now, three o'clock in the morning. Sean, I know if you could get on the airplane, I know you can never come back to the United States, but could you come help me out? I, I know, I know with no doubt in my mind, this guy'd be on the plane, Darren. I think what happens, Bruno, in
1: them—I've—I've I've done a long time in prison in this country. I've done just like you, majority of my life in prison, long sentences, and in them, wow. in, in them pressurized environments, the people you connect with—it it, it sort of makes that that brotherhood energy a lot more potent and stronger, doesn't it? And when you disconnect, when I've—I've I've done it myself. I've seen people ten years later, and straight away it's a hug. You can feel the warmth. You can feel the energy reconnecting straight away, can't you? And I think you only get that sort of connection when you're in a pressurized, like enclosed space, like a prison establishment, isn't it?
0: Man, absolutely, man. I, I, and, and Darren, I don't know your story. I, I, I didn't know, you know, uh, who I was coming to talk to, but m- much respect to you, brother. I didn't know you know, you did much of your life locked up a lot of, a lot of times now, um, you know, everybody's got this YouTube thing going on and, you know, Sean's invited me 50 times. And sometimes I just, I don't do it because, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I like, I like telling my story and if I could reach one person if one person looks at me and says, damn, I don't want to be like this guy. You know what I mean? And. You know, it means so much to know that, you know, a guy like you, done a lot of time, you know, you could do this. And, and much respect to you, man. That's that's, um, you know, it's brilliant, man, that we could come out and, you know, there's only very few of us, man. There's there's people that never get it and end up right back in. So you got my respect for that, Darren. I didn't know that about you.
1: Thanks a lot, mate. I appreciate your compliment there. Um, very dearly so we move on then Bruno you, you, you've met Sean when did you depart company
0: well um, there was a few times that uh, I got real close to getting uh, getting removed from there but um, we were together what, Sean? about six seven months a good six seven months together before the uh, I forgot her name again Before that, that cop got rid of me. Um, Yeah, so the Little Italy,
2: there's a section in my book, Hard Time, about Little Italy. And it did span over about half a year. It was the best time we had in the jail when these guys were running it. Because that jail was fucking extreme. But then some other guards started to crack down on these guys. And a female guard sent Bruno to the LOAF program in the Mac Security Jail run by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. You might be interested in hearing about the loaf program,
1: Darren. What what was all that about, then, but you know the loaf program? Is that was it called a loaf or is it L-O-A-F meaning something?
0: No, it's uh well the L-O-F means loss of food program. So this this sadist piece of shit, Sheriff. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those guys that'll sit here and tell you, you know, oh, boo, boo, you know, we should be treated this way in prison. Look, it's fucking jail, it ain't your house, I get it. You know what I mean? Put you in pink fucking boxers, pink panties, pink fucking sheets, all that shit's just a head game. But you get in trouble in there and I understand, you know, they got a job to do, bro. Those most of those uh, COs and the, and guards and everything they're there for a paycheck, just like everybody else. You know what I mean? Then you got the people that enjoy people's misery. That's what that Sheriff Joe Arpaio was. So forget about me fighting with people and this, that. And you know, I, I think I, I told the chick to go fuck herself. I don't know what I said. It's been a long time, but they moved me into the maximum security side of the jail where you lock down. 24 hours a day in a roach infested. Let me let me just set it up for you. So Madison Street Jail was condemned. It was shut down because of the conditions. And on the third and fourth floor, he used to have his dog kennels in there. He used to take the, um, you know, the stray dogs. It was like a pound. You know what I'm saying? So the third and fourth floor housed all the dogs. And then on the sixth floor, you had the loss of food program where you were locked down in a roach infested. And I'm talking roach infested, bro. And I'm not I'm not embellishing it. Sean will tell you where you had to sleep with toilet paper in your ears, in your nose. And they would bake. Excuse me. They would burn a loaf of bread with like um, carrots and whatever kind of vegetables, and all this crap. They throw it in a blender. Then they'd bake this thing and it would be about three or four pounds worth of just like a piece of bread that they would feed you twice a day because you're on discipline.
1: What year was this, Bruno? 2003.
0: 2003. So 19 years ago.
1: Them American prisons sounds absolutely appalling me to... Because in this country, you've got a thing what's called human rights, but you haven't got them in America, have you, when you go into prison?
0: We had Red Shot. Death. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him, bro. Tell him. Tell them
2: Red Death was the mystery meat slop that came in the evening that looked like <laughs> carrot vomit blended with blood. All <laughs> kinds of random meat in it, and occasionally there was a dead rat in it. One yeah. time, we gave a rat back to the guards. We complained. They said they'd investigate. They come back later in the day and said it was just a potato so the jail won't get in any trouble
0: <laughs> so hey darren darren this guy never bought any food for his inmates he wouldn't buy food he would only get it um uh donated and we would get all the um donated uh cold cuts and uh potatoes things like that but everything was just ready to spoil all the bread I'm not sure if they cooked the bread there, Sean. Did they cook the bread? But it was always hard. It was always molded. So if it was stale... If it was made stale... Go sure.
1: sure. st- on,
2: sure on, go on. If it was stale, we put the bread in water to get it down. If it had yeah. the mold on it, we just scratched the mold off and ate, yeah. ate the other side. I converted <laughs> to the Hindu religion to try and get a better food. but All I got was a fucking... Peanut butter that was burnt in the morning with moldy bread. In the evening, a veggie burger and spuds. Veggie burger was as hard as a discus. And the yeah. breath, it gave me breath for like three days. If my, my uh, girlfriend visited me, it was fucking <laughs> embarrassing, whatever chemicals <laughs> were in it. And the spuds, lesions, and long strands of human hair in the spuds as well.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and don't get it...
1: How long was you in that gaff then, Bruno?
0: How long did you have to survive that for? Uh, that was 10 days of uh, the LOAF program. Then they brought me back to Towers Jail. And they moved me to another pod because they broke up. Um, they broke up all of uh, all of my crew. And I'm pretty sure Roscoe was ready to go to prison. I was already sentenced as well to go to prison. And... Um, how long did you stay after us, Sean? How long were you there until you went to prison?
2: I didn't get sentenced until the beginning of my third year.
1: Right. Yeah, three years on remand. Almost, yeah. <laughs> well, I bet, I bet you it was worth. I bet you it was worth sitting in there for them three years as long as you never got the two hundred years what you were anticipating, innit?
2: Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? But the jail, it's extreme because in prison everyone settled down the sentence, but the jail. Bam, bam! People coming in, people coming out. Homeless people coming in, gangbangers. People have been fights with the cops. Everyone's on crystal meth. Everyone's on heroin. It's it's, it's fucking a madhouse, man.
1: Yeah, like I I, asking, the-
2: Ask Bruno about the gangs. You haven't even touched on the gangs.
1: Yeah, because so- I, want to, I want to know about Bruno more than anything else. That's you know, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued about Bruno and his story and, and where he's at now. So. You spent a lot of time in prison. You were going all all different all different states in America. You were popping into them. Did, well, let's mention the gangs. Did you ever have any deep volatile run-ins with any gangs?
0: Oh, absolutely. So um, let me let me start back when uh, I went to Colorado. So Colorado. Um, after i got sentenced in i had i had i had court cases out of colorado and california when i got sentenced in arizona so you know coming from arizona going to colorado after i've been to prison you know there was uh there was a lot of tension between me and the other white guys in colorado don't ask me why um You know, every, every, everybody in prison, Darren, and I know you know this because you've been there, everybody's trying to prove something. Um, You know, when I walked into the prison in Colorado, I got approached by a white guy saying, you're coming with us. You're going to live with this guy. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I think Sean could tell you the outcome of that without me even saying it, but I bucked at him, ended up scrapping with this guy who happened to be the head of this gang. And uh, from there, Darren, it all went to shit, man. Every place I went, I got jumped on. Every place I went, uh, basically nobody would talk to me, all because I was from Arizona. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just total nonsense, brother. But it seems like everywhere I went, no matter what, being from New York, flying that Arizona flag because, you know, I lived there for a long time and I claimed it as my home and, um, all the different prison gangs, you know, the Aryan brotherhood, the MA, the, uh, you know, the black gorilla family, the Pisces, all of all of these different factions, man. It's all a perception. I don't know how it is in, in, in England, you know, in the joint, but, everybody's just scratching for that little bit more, that little bit more. You know what I mean? You're going to do this. You're going to tell me what you're going to eat. You're not going to talk to this guy. That was the reason why me, Roscoe, Carlo, and a few other people that, you know, were in the Maricopa County jail told the Aryan brotherhood, fuck you, man. We ain't doing that. You know what I mean?
1: And it went from there,
0: you know what I'm saying?
1: Because they've got it's not just in one establishment, is it? They would have had you would have had contacts in every establishment, wouldn't they? So if you've had if you've if you've damaged one in that prison, you're gonna have to damage the next and so on and so forth. Is there any division to do with religion in your in them um, prisons? Is there or is it just gang culture? Is there anything to do with like Islam, Christianity, and, and other religions? Is there any division there or?
0: You know, um, that's a really good question, because when 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 you watch these other shows like Locked Up Abroad and, you know, all these all these different countries, you know, I'm sure they have the gangs. But like you said, they have the Christians, they have this, they have that. Not so much in the United States, because truth be told, and Sean, you could probably uh, you could probably, you know, hit on this if you. Show any type of, you know, hey, I want to read the Bible, let's go to Bible study in the United States in prison. That looks like you're weak, that looks like you know, hey, he's going if after- he's Bible thumping because he got locked up and he can't handle, you know, being with the crew guys that are the cool guys. Am I right, Sean?
2: Yeah, and there's also an interesting story that Bruno's got as well because it's mostly Christian services, right? And you've even got people sleeved out with Jesus and Mary and they sat on the front row in the Christian services. <laughs> so there was a Muslim services yeah. and for the whites to go to the Muslim services was unheard of. And one day the boss of Bruno's crew says, right, who wants to go to Muslim services out the white boys with me today? We'll go, we'll speak to the Imam. We'll find out what they're about. And this is something that, that like when, when this got put in motion, the guards thought we were like a hit team and the whole jail was put on stand for a riot. But Roscoe was such a good speaker. He went in and he spoke to the Imam and everything was cool. But the Uryan brotherhood had a problem with that because later on, they were all grilling us, which white yeah. boys went to the Muslim services that day and all this shit. But Bruno, <laughs> have you got anything to add to
0: that? Absolutely. I- I'm going to tell you, Darren. So, the reason we didn't go to Muslim services, number one, to, you know, catch a part of the Quran or what, whatever it was. Roscoe was always the strategist. He was always thinking, you know what I'm saying? Because we were so few of us that kind of took over this little part of the jail. He was always thinking ahead. Like, if I go to the Muslim services and I make a couple of friends that happen to be Muslim, whether they're black, white, green, yellow, Chinese, whatever the hell they are, we could make like a little, you know, a little, uh, a little group, you know what I mean? So that that's what it was about. And it was just a, a strategic move to see what everything was about. How many people were out there? Was there any other white guys that were out there that were feeling the same way we were against the brotherhood? You know, stuff like that. So there was a reason behind it. But when the backlash of it with all the uh, with all the white boys that were, um, you know, supposedly running the prison system. A couple of years later, when I was on one of the yards in uh, in Arizona, that came up and some guy pulled up. I forget his I forget his name, uh, Sean. Uh, they called them, um Boone. Guy named Boone, he was it. You remember Boone? I remember. Boone was in in Maricopa County. He shows up Darren. oh, yeah, Bruno and Roscoe, they went over to Muslim services. We should do something. So, you know, he stirred up the pot. You know what I mean? I ended up having to fight him. I beat the brakes off him, sent him going. But just that little stupid thing, we didn't do nothing wrong. We weren't bothering nobody. You know what I mean? That's how ridiculous... The system was that we were sitting in, bro. I was working
2: out with a, a Mexican-American guy, and the Wood's come out the cell. This is yep. in the very beginning. And they're like, hey, Wood, come and have a word with us. And I'm looking at my the guy I'm working out with, Snipe, and he's like, yeah, go and talk to your people. I go into the cell with these Nazis, and they're like, take a look around the day room, Wood. Do you see any of the other white boys working out with the other races? I'm like, nope. Like you got a lot to learn, Woods. Now go finish your workout. The, ru- the rules of racial division are strictly enforced.
1: Yeah, well, uh, America is. America is very racial in its own, whether you're inside or outside, isn't it? There's a lot of racial tension within that country as a whole, isn't there? So when was the last time you was in prison, Bruno? Where, you know, let's 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 get out <coughs> to the conversation now. So when was when was the last time you entered
0: prison? So um, I ended up finishing up. So I went, I was in Arizona prison. I was locked up in Arizona from 02 to 08, 2008. I ended up getting extradited to Colorado to answer for my charges there. Well, when I went to court because I didn't get released from Arizona prison, I went ahead and got the credit for all the time I served in Arizona attached on to Colorado. So they let me out on parole in 2008 in Colorado for Arizona, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was on parole for Colorado and Arizona at the same time, but I also had probation to start after my sentence for Arizona, where I was going to be supervised in Colorado for Arizona once my parole ended. So, my parole ends. I got my parole finished. My probation starts. And I decided that, you know, I wasn't done. I wasn't done getting high. I wasn't done robbing people. I wasn't done, you know, writing bad checks and stealing credit cards. So while I was on Arizona probation, I caught another case in Colorado for five years. So I did six and a half, uh, got out for about Seven months went back for another five in Colorado, and because I violated my probation in Arizona when I caught my Colorado case, guess what happened to me? Instead of getting out of Colorado, I got extradited back to Arizona again to finish out my probation time. So I got out of prison finally from 2002. Uh, I got out of prison July 22nd, 2014.
1: of you, of you. Being out since,
0: no sir, no sir. So
1: <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing really, should I? Because it's fucking it destroys you, doesn't it? Oh, the, the, things, so, that you, the things that you miss out on when you're incarcerated. Uh, you know, the the things that people take for granted on the in the free world we really we really need and want, don't we, in our lives? And when you see other people not taking and being grateful for what they've got on the outside. Well, it, it, it does my head in. How about you? What? What? When was the last time you was in prison? The last? Me? Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, the last time I was in prison was July 21st, 2014. Uh, I got out July 22nd, 2014. Uh, they let me out in Arizona. Uh, like I had mentioned before, I had lost my mother. My father's been dead for years. So I had, uh, my brother living in Mississippi and my sister living in uh, Las Vegas. I got out of prison, um, on that day with $20 in my pocket and a pair of shorts on my body. And, uh, like I said to you before, I, I was sitting there after my mother passed away and I said, I'm never doing this again. I'm not going to be locked up again. So I got out and uh, I asked my brother and sister for a couple of hundred bucks. They sent me a few hundred dollars, um, got myself into a halfway house. I paid a week's rent, bought myself some clothes from the thrift store and I got a job. I had no transportation. I had no tools. I was still an electrician. But I wasn't able to get a job, you know, doing any type of um, trade because I had nothing. And uh, a friend of mine that when I was leaving prison, he said, call my uncle. My uncle runs a furniture factory for a children's furniture factory. He'll give you a job. So I took a job for seven dollars an hour that I had to get to at four o'clock in the morning. So I would leave the halfway house on a mountain bike and mountain bike for two and a half hours to the job. I did that for four and a half months until I saved up enough money to get myself a car, and I did that.
1: Since, since then, you've you've went on this little journey of life, and you said you said earlier on you've you went into building your own home now.
0: Well, um, so after after working a few months, you know, doing whatever I could, saving my money, I got back into the electricians' union. I ended up getting an electrical job and, uh, started saving my money. I got custody of my daughter. Uh, I bought my first house in Arizona, uh, two and a half years after I got out of prison. Uh, I stayed in that house, uh, from 2017 to 2020. In that time I was working for a roadway electric company out there. They taught me how to be a crane operator. Um, a traffic signal technician, you know, that was along with me being a journeyman electrician. So, uh, in 2020, I decided that I was going to take everything that I had saved, sold my house, and I moved down to Mississippi next door to my brother. Built a home, and this is where I'm at now, brother. Are you, well, no, brother.
1: Are you, are you content in life now? Are you, feeling, are you feeling you're at a place where, you know, you can... Sort of relax yourself within life Instead of anticipating prison again
0: Well That's a really good question man Because uh, You know I don't think you ever really um, I don't think you ever really heal From what we've been through I know I'm, I'm just speaking for myself the amount of trauma and stress that you go through when you're locked up and you have to watch your back every day, no matter how much success or how much, how much more comfortable you are in your skin and you know, where you're at, where you're at working with your job and you know, your company and whatever it is you're doing, you're never able to just be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sean, I, I, i'm in the best place i've ever been in my life i have a company i run i work i i do whatever i can to make my life better make myself comfortable but i've never healed yeah from all of this the drug addiction the prison never so i'm a mess know. i'm a nightmare
1: i know what i know what you're saying bruno but I, I, i'm I'm exactly the same i've never really had a, a, a crazy drug addiction but I've, I've done a lot of prison. In my life and as you say without you realizing it you're picking up a lot of traumatic experiences there that you're sort of bury. and then when you do get into this life without crime and you do have them peaceful spaces in them peaceful spaces that's when you start you do as, as a big powerful strong man you get emotional you have your moments you know it, it's very depressive for times but The fact that you're continuing to go on and remain free from prison is very inspirational, isn't it? And that's what I'm all about, seeing people that are strong enough to turn their back on the system, turn their back on that life of crime and just start living the life as comfortable as they can, even though within the mind and within the heart, we're still suffering with that trauma and we're still suffering with them experiences. And that's similar to what I do. I just just try and scream at the youth of this country to swerve the system because once you're in that system they take your life off you and they continue to take your life off you and what I keep screaming is choose your life not a knife in the sense of don't let the government take any more of your life away from you stay away from prison because you don't realize later on when you do mature if you're lucky enough to get free from prison because there's There's thousands that aren't. If you're lucky enough to get 3 you've got to start repairing yourself. And when you're going through that repairing process, you're going through a lot of traumatic stress and emotions and depression and stress. And it can make you anti-social at times and it can make you pro-social. It makes you very sacrificial with individuals that the majority of the time, they want to look healthier and they want to show you love, but because of what you've been through, you're just cutting them out. I don't know whether that's the same with you, but that's that's what it's like with me.
0: It's it's exactly you just you just explained my whole life in one sentence. And you know, I I look at Sean, I look at you, I look at people that, I mean, I am so proud of this guy that. You know, and and just talking to you for this forty-five-fifty minutes already, Darren. I see that I want to, You're a guy that I want to know. You see, I'm proud of Sean because I know where he's been, I know what he's done. I know that he could have easily one of his rave parties got friggin' crazy, pulled a gun out, shot somebody, killed him, and we'd never see him doing what he's doing. The message that he's putting out, the just the The educated uh, commentary that this guy is putting out on his channel. And from what you sound like, Darren, the same thing, man. We have to be so proud of ourselves because these three people right here on the screen, there's 300,000 more in there that can't get where we are. And you're right, man. We are lucky. Just to be alive and to be here, man. It takes it
1: takes a lot of. Uh, um, if you're used to a certain life of fast cash, getting what you want when you want it, taking it if you need it, to turn your back on that, to turn your back on the the people involved in that, you know, the people you've grew up with, the people you've been around all your life, to be able to turn that, right? it takes a lot of strength. And there's a lot of people that try it, and there's a lot of people that fail, and there's only the rare few that succeed in if you like rehabilitating themselves because the prison system doesn't rehabilitate. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got to do that with your own self strength and your self awareness. Haven't you?
0: Right. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I totally agree. And, you know, um, you know, this, you never measure the success of a man by what he has materialistically. You know, it's always about um, how he treats his family and how he, you know, gets up after he gets knocked down on the ground. And, you know, my daughter, um, unfortunately, she went through everything a kid should never have to go through. And me being locked up, she was in foster care facilities. And, you know, she was basically locked up like I was, Darren. And, you know what? The other night she called me what she calls me every day. I'm a grandfather now. She, she's married to a guy in the air force that I love like my own son. Uh, They have a nice house in California. You know what I mean? A successful little life. And what she told me, simple, simple little statement. She says, dad, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you that you came back from this. And I turned around and I told her, I says, you know what, Gina, you're the best thing that ever happened to me because without you, I would have never turned my life around, but just to get that phone call from her, and know that she feels that way, I'm a freaking success, man.
1: That's the truth, brother. Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah, without, without a doubt. And it's like all over the world now. You've got these establishments that are big business. These prisons, the big business now. You know, they're all private company running stuff like this. And the majority of kids that are outside the fences while the dads are inside the fences is horrendous and i don't think the dads are realizing the damage they're doing to the children if they get themselves placed in custody for any amount of time them years away from your daughter can absolutely leave your child traumatic and make them want and something that's not there all the time it's cruel isn't it
0: absolutely so,
1: on the back of that, nice. though, on the back of that, though, Bruno. So you're in your fifties now, mate. You know, you've had a lot of experience. You've gained a lot of knowledge from that experience. What, right. what? In a short, in a short few words, what would your advice be to anyone in life? What would it be, especially young men that are participating in crime and ending up in prison and ruining the family connections and stuff? What would your single bit of advice be?
0: ah man it's 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 so hard because it's hard to sum it up you know i'm a firm believer in if you're done you're done you know if you're not ready you're not ready but for somebody who's looking at me somebody who sees me locked up my whole life addicted to drugs everything that you could lose when you're away i lost you know i would just say give yourself a break you know what i mean think that you could have a good life there's a good life out there and i know you know when you're not done darren everything falls on deaf ears i don't care what you try to tell somebody if they're going to want to do drugs until they're done they're not going to listen but if anybody could take anything from me you know it took me Till I was 46 years old to finally get it that I never want to have handcuffs on me again. I never want my freedom taken away. I never want to have my daughter in a bad situation. I I just want to live a life. Just give yourself a break. Know that there's a great life out here. And if I can do it, Sean can do it. Darren can do it. You can do it, man. Powerful,
1: powerful last little speech, you know. Well, thank you. Initially, when we were coming into this, we were going to have a little 10 minute chat before we came in. Due to the situations out of our hand, we just had to go all out. I've appreciated you coming on. Um, It's been very insightful into the prison system and our way life is in America and over the the seas there. I've I've got nothing but um, respect for you, matey. I admire what you've been through, I admire what you've got through. and good on you for changing your life around because I know how difficult it is to do. And the fact that I'm sitting here with other people that's done it is magnificent. I ignore Sean going dark. He always has to change his battery about an hour. In. <laughs>
0: right. Darren, thank you. Thank you for having me, sir. I appreciate it. And if you ever need anything, uh, you know what I mean? If you want to give me a call, if I could do anything for you, same, Sean, you know, my longest love and respect to both of you. Anytime you want to have me, I'll be more than happy. Thank you very much. Thanks Bruno, Bruno
2: the, the, viewers, the viewers are asking, yes. when are you going to come to England? And if you're going to start your own YouTube channel?
0: <laughs> Brother, I own an electrical business. I'm partners in a truck company. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much time. No, um, I've been afraid with the whole passport thing. We got, we got our passports and... Um, we're going to we're gonna make a trip out there when I come. Uh, you're going to be my first stop. Darren, I would love to come see you.
1: You're, um, you're, 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 I'll be around Sean, mate, so I'm sure you'll see the bulk of us at the same time, probably.
0: Sean, let's get together on the YouTube channel, man, but please keep more in touch with me, brother. You know what I mean? I Absolutely. Know I'm, I'm off. I'm flaky, but thank you for having me, man. It's always good to see you. my Much longest love month. and respect, brother.
2: You, you've been on fire tonight. This has been brilliant.
1: Thanks a lot, Bruno. Mate, you have a nice evening, brother. Take care.
0: Thank you, guys. Much love. Take care, brother.
2: What a guy, man!
1: What a magnificent, very powerful conversation there. I I suggest. What time is it, Bruno? You know, for an hour and twelve. So. It was. It was decent. At the beginning, I thought it was going to be another Chet Sandu, but obviously it got corrected. He he moved location. I think he went from his house and then got a better Wi-Fi signal in his vehicles.
2: Yeah, that's what he does. So that's why I didn't sweat it, because every time I've interviewed Bruno, there's there's been a bit of Wi-Fi situation, and then he's fixed it at the very last minute. (laughs)
1: Well, it is what it is. It's another it's another boss live, I feel. I think it was an insight into another life that's been through a mess and managed to come out on the other side. So it's inspirational, isn't it, when, when you look at it in that way. The fact that he's had an addiction from an early age, he went into the military to try and conquer it. He's come out the military, fell right back into it. As you say, it's like the majority of young adults or teenagers were influenced by the elder gangsters, aren't we? Like the elder drug dealers, he calls them the wise men, but in this country, it's the organised crime groups. And there's a lot of youth that are getting wound up in that influential aspect of materialistic bullshit, aren't they? There's there's too many in in what's going on, isn't there?
2: We call it gangsteritis.
1: Gangsteritis, gangsterism, fucking... Bell ends or whatever you want to fucking say. Well as we move forward, Sean, are you okay to stay on for a little 20 minutes or do you want to shut shop? It's up to you, mate.
2: No, of course, Darren. And you've got people asking in the chat what we're gonna do next. Because okay, we possibly so. got a double we've got a double whammy lined up for tomorrow, but I don't know how much you want to reveal.
1: Well, let's just say tomorrow night from eight o'clock till ten o'clock. Hopefully we've got someone who got an IPP prison sentence has managed to sort his life out, get out of prison, remain free. And he's, you know, he's very insightful in his own little ways from the Northeast. We've then got a prison guard on, which will be another, you know, I normally only speak to prison guards that was in jail with me this time. We'll be able to have a different narrative, understand how their lives are and, how they conduct themselves and so on and so forth. So if everything goes to plan tonight from eight o'clock, we're going to be on till 10 o'clock from eight to to nine. We'll have one guest from nine to 10. We'll have another guest. So it's going to be another powerful night, I suppose. What, what I don't want to, what I don't like doing, Sean. I don't like putting anything, especially when it's streamyard and and you're relying on other individuals to complete the puzzle. If you like, I don't really like putting anything in stone in case they don't turn up. They've been mentioned. They've been made aware of. Most people. I'm not saying like everyone, but some people are happy with just that mention and you know a little bit of. Oh, who's this? So people go and inquire about them. So I think it's best we don't speak about the names in case you get my rats and your rats out there. will try and contact them and sabotage the process. So it's best we keep that to ourselves. And just like tonight, the, the people who follow me, some people I follow you that are on this live feed, they didn't know what to expect. They just knew there was a guest. And when they've come on, we've had a powerful guest. He's, you know he was full of energy, he was full of, you know, experience, and I think it was another good night, what do you think people, if you can hit the if you can hit the like button to let us know that you liked it, or put a one in your comments to see if you like that type of content, but as Sean said, tomorrow night, hopefully from 8 till 10, we're going to have two separate guests, one from 8 till 9, one from 9 till 10, they're both powerful guests, they're both You know, they both got their own stories. They're both from different sides of the fences. You know, some jump the fence. But it is what it is. It's going to be powerful tomorrow night, just like it is tonight. All the ones are coming up, so I'm guessing he's like it. Do you want to add to that, Sean?
2: Yeah, if the viewers have got any guest suggestions, put them in the live chat, and me and Darren will discuss them. And we'll see what we can do.
1: What I'd like to speak of who would like to speak about Sean is like more people that have worked in prison. I'd like to get an insight into, you know, the the workings within the prison, not from the view of a prisoner or an inmate, but from from the from the prisoner of a from the view of a guard or a or a prison officer and so on and so forth. But I'm up for any. I, I can have a conversation with I anyone, I can ask questions and you know, construct a conversation with anyone, it doesn't matter what walk of life they're from. I think I'm quite adapted doing that type of this type of content if you like.
2: I can get us a governor, Darren. And that that governor had a thing going with um Purple Aki was um creating some situations for this governor.
1: What intimidation and threats and getting her stalked and stuff?
2: Well I think she better tell the story herself. It's just like. Yeah, it'll be
1: better. So, if you can arrange that, Sean, that's another one for the future, isn't it? Obviously, we're coming up to Christmas. There's going to be a lot of people that are busy. So, you might reach out to people and they're just going to be too busy for a little hour here and a little hour there. But I can see this going places, Sean. I can see it getting very, very powerful. I can see it starting to, you know in the right direction i'm very satisfied with what's going on i appreciate what you're doing for me as always i think i don't tell you enough but it is what it is i'm not here to suck the farts out of your ass and play you'll never walk alone on your farts things but you know what i'm saying don't you
2: it's all good brother we've got momentum on this the viewers are loving it you bring out a different side of people
1: so it makes it way more interesting well, did you hear anything different out of Bruno there than what, than what yeah. you've heard, you know? Loads, loads. Half of
2: it, more than half of it was stuff I've never heard before. Good stuff. You brought out a really good side of him and everyone in the chat was loving it.
1: Well, that's what it's about, people. It's about the people in the chat enjoying what they're watching, feeling like the part of it. I know we haven't commented much to the comments, but... As you always know, when 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 there's company on the platform, you just don't get left aside. I'm just I'm just involved in what we're speaking about an awful lot. And I feel like looking at them on the screen, they sat on my bed watching me or something. Well, not on my bed, but that's mm-hmm. what it well, my bed's my couch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it is what it is, people. And um, obviously, Sean, it was what it was. The good man, Wildman, came into the picture. You know, you could see, I can. you can just see it in your face, mate, the minute his fucking name's mentioned. It is it is what it is, mate. It's deep. It's very deep when you've lost someone who's like your right arm, been through so many situations, conducted so many interviews and podcasts with them, travelled all over the fucking country. It is what it is. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a huge gap to fucking fill, isn't it, mate? And I, I believe that's why you've got fucking six co-hosts. Do <laughs> you understand what I mean? With a massive capture filling you're with six other people. So it is what it is. Um, do you watch the football?
2: I don't watch anything. I'm all just doing all this stuff all the time.
1: down and work. I wish I was like you, lad. I wish you had fucking work popping out my ears, mate. But I'll get there one day, hopefully. (laughs) Kevin Mooney can't invite people on on read comments to would be ignorance. Calmac UK, you know that, mate. I couldn't be I couldn't be having Bruno on in there and then going, oh, I had David Joseph, I had GV Games, I had Tony (laughs) Mac Tyson. I couldn't be doing that. As as they said, if I was in a conversation in a cafe with someone and everyone's coming in, I couldn't be calling. Now then, now then, it's just it's just out out outright rude in it. So you know you've got to respect your guests, just like you've got to respect me subscribers and me members and people like this. It's fantastic to have everyone in here, feeling the positivity. I want to cut it short, Sean, but I don't. You know, I don't normally do it. It's twenty past. We'll go to last past. Yeah, should we take a few? I'm going to get going
2: or? in a minute, Darren, because I've, I've been out all day.
1: Well, and that's I what do I mean. A few with, little with, with, work yeah. things. It's going on to 21 minutes past. We'll go till 30 minutes past if you, if that's okay. 90 minute I think, section.
2: I think I'm going to get going now, Dan, because I've got a few little things I've got to do. It
1: looks like you need to run the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, well, I'll, well, I'll speak to you. I'll speak to you offline, mate, in a more private um, arena. Thanks well, for coming on, you. as always. Thanks for getting Bruno on board. And whatever you're up to tonight, bless out, mate. Keep it real.
2: Thank you, brother. Much Keep love standing. and respect. I'll catch good up night, with you in brothers. the morning. Bye-bye. Cheers. Mate. Bye.
1: So there you go, people. I hope he's liked it. Jane Everton, do you like it? David Joseph, was it good? Ricky Swain. RSK, good night, Darren and Sean. Great stream, lads. Brian Jones, showing respect. All right, lads. So I think that's my cue to go as well. And in the people, as always, I haven't been on ever Saturday night for quite a while due to my loved ones coming up of a weekend with her getting close to Christmas Christmas, and my loved ones have got family commitments and stuff. It's important that um, she has a little rest this weekend, especially when our baby's due in the next couple of weeks. It's important she gets as much rest as possible. So that's why he's got a live with me tonight. Obviously, Sunday night is normally a peaceful hour. Sunday night is normally just me on the screen. But it looks like tomorrow night we're going to have a double whammy, two, ga- two guests back-to-back, back, 8 till 9, 9 till 10. It's going to be interesting, people. I hope you can all lock in. I hope you can all like the feed. If you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe. If you want to go that little bit further, become a member. Peace out. till five. Shout, choose a life, not a knife. As always, Darren G on the Real Crime, Real Time podcast.
2: Chet Sandu's book is finally available worldwide on Amazon. He's one of our most viral podcast guests ever. The book is called Self Made, Juice Paid, an Asian kid who became an international drug smuggling gangster. Do you want to read some of the back, Jen? Yeah, go the blurb. In 1999, Chet Sandu was arrested at gunpoint in Alicante Airport for smuggling the largest quantity of illicit pharmaceutical drugs in Spanish history. Interesting. Overnight, he went from living in the shadows of the Costa Del Crimes underworld to being labelled a notorious supervillain in the international press. Incarcerated alongside murderers, rapists and terrorists in a super maximum security wing. He had to navigate a world of murderous knife fights, prison breaks, drug taking
1: and high stake power plays. Good bedtime, Reed
2: In Self-Made Jews Paid Learn how a British-born Asian kid with disabilities raised in a corner shop emerged as a protector of his family from racist thieves and hooligans. Be prepared to be entertained, informed and offended by Chet's no-holes-barred account of raves, drugs, bodybuilding, entering the fashion industry. Did you know that he dated Kylie Minogue and Naomi yes. Campbell? <laughs> you know, latest interview. Working the Doors and Life in One of the World's Deadliest Places to Be Incarcerated. If you enjoyed Chet's podcast series with us, there's a lot more detail in the book. Check it out. Worldwide on Amazon ebook,
1: paperback, and audiobook.